Hi guys, thanks for coming along on a Wednesday masterclass. It's uh, it's probably been about oh, eight weeks since we did the last one. Actually, it's longer than that, and I think that one was Misty's as well when she uh, actually released her book. So, oh, we've got a few more people coming in. We'll just let them in. Okay, I'm letting them in. You're right, Jay. Okay. So, as I said, this is being recorded. It's going to go through all of our socials and everything like that. So, I appreciate everybody coming along. I'm going to ask everybody, please, to go on mute. What we're going to be talking about today is Misty's subject, which is... Overcoming the price objection. Beautiful. All right. Now, what Misty will do, Misty's going to talk for about yeah, 40, 45 minutes, which is simple for Misty. All right. We all know that one. And there will be 40, 45 minutes of pure gold coming out of it. So please listen. If you miss something, remember, it will be recorded. I will send everybody an email so they can access the recording if they're not Be Connected World members. Okay. So what I'm quickly going to do now is we're going to start the session. So Misty Henkel. Misty lives in Queensland, Australia, is a sales trainer whose low-cost low sales programs help hundreds of people every year increase their sales and make more money. Misty speaks to business groups each week on the topics of closing sales and overcoming sales anxiety and is available to speak at corporate events from $2,000. She is well known for all over the world for simplifying the sales process and her two sales books, which can be purchased directly from her, follow simple strategies to close sales on any product or services. And just like Ryan Reynolds, Misty can be found on Google. Misty Hankel. <laughs> Hi, guys. Yes, just like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> um, you Google Ryan Reynolds, he shows up. You Google me, I show up. So um, I just go with what Google says. All right, welcome aboard, everybody. It's great to see you all here. So um, class today is on overcoming the price objection. So during this, I'm literally going to tell you the price objections or we're going to come up with the price objections and then I'm going to tell you the answers to those price objections. So I just want to put in a little disclaimer here. What I tell you and what I'm teaching you here, today, what I teach you here today, you won't be able to unhear. And what I tell you, it may be abrasive to some of you, as in you don't want to hear it, you don't believe in it, you've been taught a completely opposite way and it doesn't work. But um, traditional sales training, while it's great, is different. Um, it works differently now from what uh, to now to what it did before. Traditional sales training worked beautifully before we had Google and now that everybody's on Google, customers on Google more than we are, it doesn't work as easily. And I'll just give you a quick example. Traditional sales training does things like, um, teaches things like, um, as a salesman, ask many questions so you can qualify your client and help them make the right decision. Truth is the only people with good questions today is the customer. Features and benefits and results, that's what helps you sell. We actually don't need that anymore because the customers already come up with their own personal features and benefits and the results that they want to achieve. And trust me, we as the salesman, we can't guess it no matter how much we think we know our stuff and what it is that it's used for as well. So traditional stuff, while great, isn't the same anymore. It's, um, we're pretty much led by the customer, but things that I want you to pay attention to along the way. So here's my disclaimer is I will, for some of you, you'll hear things where it's not what you want to hear or it's completely the opposite. But if you relax and test it out, you'll find that most of the time it actually really does work, right? So, and I'm not saying this works every single time because let's face it, more people aren't buying than are buying. So customer is saying no more often than they're saying yes. 
However, if you calm down and just relax with it, you'll find that the sales do come through easier as well. So things that you need to know as we get into this is, um, and you can take good notes, but like Jason said, he's recording, it's going to go up on, on um, the channels as well. So it could be one of those things where I think I want to write notes, but oh, want to listen or participate. Um, don't worry too much, like just participate. Um, you can go back to the notes. All right. So things that you need to know or that I need to remind you of is customers make comments they do not make objections. A comment is, oh my God, I would never pay that. That is not an objection. An objection is when they actually don't buy. But most of the time, if I take us to a grocery store, most of the time we go into the grocery store with a very specific thing to buy and we're not buying anything else, then chances are we leave with a big bag of groceries and we <laughs> complain on the way out. How with this why does it cost fifty dollars as only after milk and while we think we're objecting clearly we weren't because we walked out with it so the truth is as customers make comments all the time they're not making objections we salesmen turn it into objections when we try to combat what we consider an objection like i would never pay that let me explain to you the price the moment you go to explain you've turned that comment into an objection now they can object so things to know customers don't make they make comments not objections Customers' comments are mostly rhetorical. They just happen to be said out loud. Just because a customer said it out loud doesn't mean it's for us. It just happened that way. So if we just let them get their words out, probably find that they'll sort the rest of the problem out while they're at it. Um, just because a customer doesn't like it doesn't mean they're not buying. So just because they don't like the price doesn't mean they're not going to buy it. And it's interesting, right? Because some people can say, oh, that's too high. Others can say, that's too low. I am I am notoriously known all over the world for low-cost sales programs. That's my thing, right? Do sales training all the time. And I am pretty much the low-cost training girl. You can, I'm the queen of that, right? So I get a lot of um, pushback with, don't you value yourself? You should charge more than that. It's worth so much more than that. The truth is it's just somebody else's thoughts about what it is that I'm doing. I also get a lot of people say, thank God it's that price. If it wasn't, I couldn't get any help. Here's what's ironic is if you go to buy something, imagine you went to the supermarket to buy milk only to find that today all milk is free. How easily will you pick up those cartons of milk and leave with it? Or will you sit there wondering, hmm, why is it free? So it turns out it doesn't matter how much it costs high, low, or free, as a customer, our first reaction is, I object. <laughs> so let them get their objections out. All right. If a customer has made a comment, it means they're listening, and that's a good thing. So it's okay if they make comments. It's okay if they make complaints. It's okay if they make things that sound like objections. At least they were listening. Be more concerned about the person that doesn't make any comment and just keeps wandering around without actually talking to you at all. That's more of a problem than the person that's actually saying something out loud to you. The secret to the yes answer is firstly getting used to the no type comments. Notice what I said. I didn't say the no's, just the no type comments. So we've got to get used to that. Here's the thing. More people aren't buying than are buying. I was um, sent a YouTube video the other day. I think it was used to it. Sent me a YouTube video the other day. The sales trainer says, you know, 
salesmen really have to be resilient because really if 250, if they talk to 250 people, 225 are saying no instantly. And of the other 25, 23 will say no after you speak to them a little bit more. That leaves two out of 250. Now, I think that's terrible odds, by the way, one out of 125. But the point is the majority of people aren't buying, but they are collecting information. How we give out the information for them to be able to utilise better for them to buy becomes key to allowing the customer to buy, right? So the secret to sales is firstly getting used to the no-type comments, and these no-type comments can sound something like this. Um, oh, no, we'll get to that in a second. So other things, more people won't buy than will buy. No doesn't mean no, not ever. It possibly just means no for right now or no, I'm still researching. All advertising is good advertising, and the fortune is in the follow-up anyway. So let's go back to the 250. I mean, if you're only converting two out of 250, my concern is what did you do with the other 248? And did you just let them go? I'll tell you a quick little story. Is um, I went to this sales training, this free, uh, well, uh, seminar a number of years ago. It was a guy who was a speaker coach. So he was, um, he was coaching people on how to, speak at events and interview famous people and they get known for it. It's a bit like on Amazon, if you write a book on Amazon, put it on Amazon and then do the Amazon bestseller strategy to turn around and get the Amazon bestseller strategy. He kind of does the same thing with interviewing famous people, right? Anyhow, he turns up, I'm in Canberra and it's free. And I thought it was like four hours from eight until 12. Anyhow, when we get there, he said, um, just that, so, you know, we'll probably be here till at least four or five o'clock this afternoon because I've got a lot to tell you. Now, 800 people signed up for this, but only 80 of you have turned up. And here was what he said. What does it say about the other 720? And where they're going, yeah, right. And he said, now of the 80 that are here, now that you know that we're not here for four hours, we're here for probably eight or nine I promise you, half of you will leave by lunch, which brings back only 40 of you. And then let's see who gets here, who stays between four and five o'clock this afternoon. It'll be less than half, right? Which leaves less than 20. He said, what does it say about you and your commitment? So I found that really interesting because we're sitting there going, well, I'm thinking, I'm not leaving. Like whatever's going on, <laughs> I'm cancelling the rest of the day because I'm not game enough to leave now. So that was my first thought. But Afterwards, as a salesman, it had me think, yes, but what have you done with the 800? Because you're speaking here today to potentially 800, but 80 turned up. And then you're going to Sydney tomorrow, speaking to potentially 800, but only about 80 will turn up. And then you're flying to Melbourne to speak to potentially 1,000 people, but only, what, 10%, so 100 will turn up. I thought, what are you doing with all these people? Because you're flying all over the place, collecting people that actually noticed you but it says to me that nothing in the follow-up. He isn't planning on following up. He wants people to turn up and buy right now, but he's not doing any follow-up. And a lot of salesmen don't do the follow-up, mostly because they don't know how to follow up or what's the best way or how should I do it. So these are simple things that we should be doing, but we need to have strategies around it. And these are some of the things that I have inside my sales books on, on different ways to set up follow-up systems because 
it's really important to um, to be able to have a follow-up system so that we don't have to, as I call it, plow through the numbers um, so that we can actually, people found us to start with. So they did want us, but then we also did something to stop that. So um, if people are standing there in front of us, it's, um, it's, it's good for us to learn how to follow up in a less uncomfortable way. And, and I agree, most follow-ups are very uncomfortable. So um, learning how to do that less uncomfortably is good for everybody, you and the customer. The customer cannot be satisfied if they didn't buy your thing. They're not getting any help. They're possibly not getting help from anyone else. It's really important to know yourself um, to the ones that were standing there. All right. Any questions so far? Yes, Julie. Um, one, you mentioned that you have some of these tactics in your book. Are you talking about a book that you sell or is yes, it a part I of your talking. No, I am talking about a book that I sell. So um, both of my books, they're $30 each, so both of my books. Um, there's a follow-up section in both of them. They're $35 each uh, to get in book format. And I also have at the top of the chat box, you can get it as a downloadable PDF for those who don't like books. I think you're crazy, by the way. But you can get it as a downloadable no. PDF um, for ten dollars each too. So I have um, have them as PDFs as well. So, but the uh, and so where do we buy the real books? The from me, from me. Just write in the chat box. Email you. Can I have a book and I'll contact you. Yeah, just write. Can I have a book okay. and then I'll contact you? Or I need a book on follow up, and then you can go from there as well. Thank you, Julie, for asking. All right, so let's get into some more of the class. So if we're overcoming price objections, it's very important that we. First, know what are the price objections that show up? Now, I'm sure that we've all come across some price objections. Who wants to tell us? Let's put some hands up and let's um, let's get some price objections. What are the ones that show up? And we'll see if they're on my list because I've got a bit of a list, right? What's something that shows up? Yep, Julie. It's not in my budget. It's not in my budget. Yep, that's a good one. Yep, Stuart, what do you got? I have to discuss this with my wife. Yep, got to discuss it with your wife. That's called a spousal objection. Yes. What's another one? Yep, Julie. We've we've already done this um, financial year's budget. Okay. Which means it's a whole other year sometimes until you yep. can approach that person again. <laughs> yep. Yep, I'll give you some. I mean, that's for a larger usually yep. you know all right that's no problems at all larger right. price item yeah yep no that one works as well yep brenda i only need this portion so can i have it for less just to just to do this oh. part yep yep i need this part right somebody else I, does I'm it gonna... for less someone else does it for less right yep that one uh what about that Stuart? do you have your hand up again i i did indeed how about this one I've already done this before and it cost me a lot of money. Um, so I'd like for you to do it for less. <laughs> Great. Yes. <laughs> yep. We've got that one. How about these ones? Can I have a discount? Is that your best price? That's too expensive. Um, are you crazy? Who would, I would never pay that. Who pays that? Uh, there's even the one I get it is seriously, that's way too low. What are you thinking? You know, what's interesting is I've actually tried the answer to that and gone, I'm happy to charge you double. No, no, no. I actually don't want to buy it. Well, then what's your problem? See how argumentative it is, right? So we're going to come up with answers that aren't argumentative because it's only causing drama anyway, right? Yep. Julie, you got another one? Can I, can I include 
the silent treatment response, which is oh, they, they don't respond, respond to your email or they don't respond to your phone message and you get nothing. Okay. That's the that ghost. That's the classic the ghost. Ghosted. <laughs> ghosted, okay. yes. That's Let's exactly go with ghosted. All right, Stuart, you got your hand up again? I, I, I do indeed. Um, I had one that was that was uh, yeah quite quite bizarre. Um, well, oh, that's right. Yeah, despite me spending and really going into detail, I still came back. And this is this is a I, I need it cheaper. This is this is what it was what it equated to. I just can't see the value. And by the way, can you add in? And literally, they asked for another ten thousand dollars worth of work. Surely you can add in this. That was that was an interesting one just recently. Surely. Absolutely. I'd like to give you a kidney as well. Add in this. All right. Okay, cool. And the last view I've got is, uh, look, I think I can do it myself. I can definitely do it myself for cheaper. Um, I'm going to go with someone else because they were cheaper than you. Um, did you know that someone else is cheaper than that? Um, can you price match? I have no money. I can't afford it. Um, why is it that price? Uh, how did you come up with that price? Who even pays that anyway? Right. So there's plenty of um, plenty of objections that come out there. Right. Apparent objections. But right? we're calling them comments. Right. So here's how we start answering them. So I'm going to start at the top. I'm going to listen. Julie, do you have your hand up again? Or no, no. Okay, beautiful. So I'm going to give you the objection and we're going to give a price and then the answer. And we're going to come back with some of these extra ones that you guys have come up with as well. And we'll see if we can work out an answer. Now, just so that you know, these two answers work really well a lot. I understand how you feel. So write that down because that one's going to show up a bit. I understand how you feel. And the other one is, I know, crazy, isn't it? In terms of the spousal objection, I have to speak to my husband or I have to speak to my wife or I have to speak to my partner or I have to speak to my mom or I have to speak to my business partner, right? That's a spousal objection, so we're going to grab an answer for that one soon too. It works uh, every time to get them talking anyway. So here's some of them. Can I have a discount? The answer is no. That's your answer. Can I have a discount? No. Now, understand this, it doesn't mean you can't do something for cheaper. It just means that that thing doesn't get a discount, right? Let's say, uh, let's use Stuart as an example. Let's say Stuart was doing websites starting at $5,000 or Fiona was doing websites at $5,000. I'm just picking two website ones, right? So if you're both doing websites for $5,000, tell me exactly what it is and say, can I have a discount? The answer is no, but I've only got $2,500. There's a way forward. If you say no and give the customer the rules of that sale, the customer usually will have something to say. Well, I've only got $2,500. That's okay. I can do something else for $2,500. I just can't do that one, right? So you can charge less, but you have to give less. You can't charge less for the big thing. Understand this. Any discounts that come along, right, means that, that you've now stopped yourself from getting a referral later on. Quick show of hands. Who would love to get referrals all day long so you don't have to market yourself? I know, right? Wouldn't it be great? If only they could. everyone could bring in referrals for us. The easiest way to get referrals is have rules around your price. 
This is the price, that's it, right? If you can tell someone the price and then they pay it, whether they like it or not, they can tell their friend, oh my God, I got this most amazing thing. I didn't like the price, but I got it. What's their friend going to ask? How much does it cost? If they say, oh, well, you see, I got this discount and I don't really know because I think I got it at a special rate, the friend can't buy. And it doesn't mean they weren't trying to get them a referral. It's just that they can't buy now because they don't actually know what the price is. So it's really important to learn not to discount. And here's how I know that we don't have to discount in order to sell. I worked in the bar industry for 10 years. So I was a barmaid for 10 years. I sold food and drink. If 10 people turned up ordering exactly the same steak and beer, you know how much of a discount I get for serving them in bulk, how much they get when it comes to the time for the bill to be out? Not a cent. I, um, I sold furniture, fantastic furniture. did that for many years. So that's the base um, furniture here in Australia. It comes at a package price. So when somebody says, you know, can I have a discount? That's, that's the price. That was the only way we could answer it. I sold Apple computers. doesn't matter how many a wholesaler buys. If I was selling, if I was buying in five, let's say Apple computers for the store to sell, Let's say they were $2,000 each. That's how much I'd buy them in from Apple for and I'd be able to sell them for, let's say, $2,200, right? If I was getting in 1,200 of them, so 1,200 of them, and I was selling them to a school, Apple would sell them to me at $2,000 each and I would still be selling them out at $2,200. So having worked for Apple, they just give one price to everybody across the world regardless of the volume that they're buying. And um, while we all complained, as the resellers, we complained, we still just fit in with what they said. We just did it. I sold uh, patent and trademark applications for the patent and trademark office here in Australia. Um, people were calling up about trademarks all the time. How much does it cost to get a trademark? It starts at $420 for 10 years. I need three trademarks. Yep, starts at $420 for 10 years. That's it. There was no discount regardless of how much they bought. It's the same price all the time. And then to really top it off. So this is really my history on selling. Every product I've ever sold came at full price. And while people complained a lot, they still bought it. And then um, groceries. Doesn't matter how many groceries you buy. When you turn up the counter, <laughs> somehow you're paying whatever they scan at and that's it, right? So it doesn't matter how many blocks of chocolate. I've tried it. I bought 18 in one hit. You know what? They didn't give me five cents off. They made me buy them all at full price. So it turns out it doesn't matter how much you buy at the supermarket. When we get there, we can ask for a discount. They just laugh at us and say, no, what would you like to put back? So it turns out we buy stuff at full price all the time. Um, so this is how I know that when you can answer this, can I have a discount? No, is a great answer. But other people give discounts. Yes, but not me. Once they understand the rules of the sale, they might not like it, but they only have to understand it. It might stop them from buying at the moment, but it doesn't stop them from buying while they're rethinking their thing, right? Um, is that your best price? The answer is what? Yes. <laughs> is that your best price? Yes. So I can't have a discount? No. What if I bring in 10 friends? No. So that's the price. Yes. Right? Nice and simple. Um, that's too expensive. Here's the answer. I know. Crazy, isn't it? That's one of the answers you can use. That's too expensive is also, I know how you feel. Right? 
or sucks, I know. The secret is you agree with them and stop talking. Because the truth is they're only telling you how they feel about the price. They're not really complaining or objecting about the price. They're just telling you their feelings in that moment. It's the same with this answer. I can't afford it or I have no money. I understand exactly how you feel. That's your answer every time. You know, it's interesting. Traditional sales training used to teach the salesman that when a customer said they didn't have any money, that it was a salesman's problem and the salesman's problem to deal with. It doesn't work in today's world, not as easily. We can do it that way. It depends on where you feel on money. Do you like to hook people up so that they're, um, you know, really paying a lot of money that they don't have or do you want to listen to the customer and help them out? Because if they say they don't have any money, chances are they don't have any money. That doesn't mean you get to serve them for free. It means that you just get to acknowledge where they're at. And again, it's rhetorical. It's not actually for us to answer for them. But if you think of it like this, right, or listen to it like this, I don't have any money. I understand exactly how you feel. If you stop talking, it now puts the money problem from the salesman back to the customer who claimed they have no money. Who here has claimed they've had no money before and then still gone out to dinner and spent it all the time, right? <laughs> I shouldn't go out. I have no money, right? Which falls into the line of it doesn't fit into my budget. I understand exactly how you feel. I can't do it until next financial year's budget. I understand exactly how you feel which means that you've listened to them and you've acknowledged exactly where they're at. Your job isn't to change their mind or make them second guess themselves. More to the point, you should be thankful that they decided to come to you and pick you out of everybody else. And now that they've got the information that they want, if you let them go, they have the chance to come back. How easy is it to go back to the salesman where you're in a store and you think, oh, I really want that. Let's say it was a big screen TV. I really want it. Yeah, I don't have that much money. And the salesman says, but what you could do is, and then if you give up coffees every day for the next six months, and then if we put it on a payment plan and you're, you're there going, why won't you just stop talking to me? Like, why don't you just listen to me? And just, it would just be nice if someone just listened and said, I understand how you feel. I'll ask a question. Who loves it? Just show of hands. Just put your hand up. If you love it, when um so anyone that's got kids here um or had kids when they were smaller um had kids and small kids in the past where um you've made them dinner and you want to make them their favorite thing like their chicken nuggets but you also know as a parent you've got to put you know like a couple of veggies on the plate like a piece of broccoli with the 15 chicken nuggets and the whole plate of chips right and then they look at it and go i don't like it i don't want that thing i mean who loves it when you go to so much effort to help them out and then they turn around and tell you where you've gone wrong. Or you give them their favourite meal only for one of them to complain that it was on the wrong plate or that the one next to them got more than what they got. How unfair is that? Or, well, it's my favourite meal and I got the most, but I'm not that hungry today. How dare you? I mean, who loves it when whenever you've gone to a lot of effort, somebody tells you you're wrong? It's funny how no one puts their hand up, right? <laughs> it seems that nobody actually really likes to be told that they're wrong. So this is our opportunity as salesmen to not make 
the customer second guessed themselves. The truth is, is the customer knows more about their problems and their and their the solutions that they've looked in than we could ever know. And so when someone says, I don't have any money or it's not in this budget or I haven't budgeted for that, all they need is a friendly person to say, I understand exactly how you feel. If you stop talking, they have two choices, to walk away or to keep talking. And now since we customers in a supermarket have the ability to sell stuff to ourselves all day long from products and services that sit silently on a shelf with a price and we still manage to buy way more than we wanted, since we can do that to ourselves, if you're standing there silently for long enough, the customer has that opportunity to do that too. Well, just because I don't have any money for it doesn't mean that I don't want it and I can't get it next week. I mean, two weeks ago, we just had Easter and all the school holidays and I spent all of it, but if I can come up with a way, I know it's in next financial year's budget, but truly that's only two months away. Maybe if I swindled it a little bit and get it in, I could then claim it on this next budget. Oh, I wonder if I can move a few things around. The customer will actually solve their own money issue if you leave them to solve their money issue. So the answer, I understand how you feel, becomes a really great one. Yes, Julie. Sorry, it took me a while to unmute. Uh, how would you deal with that if it's an email? I'd love to buy it, but I really don't have any money right now. Yeah, right or back. it's not in our budget or any of that. It's those. not in our budget. Yep, I would write back. Right. So if it was you writing to me, I'd love to do it, but I don't, it's not my budget right now. I'd write back. Um, hi, Julie, I completely understand how you feel. Yep. And then send it off. Right. You just give them that one question. It's exactly that, that one statement. Yeah. They can read it. They can, they can, if they don't have it, they don't have it. There's nothing no. you can do about it. Whereas if at least they've been listened to, they can come back to you. And that's more to the point. If someone doesn't have any money, there's nothing you can do about it. Even if you have all the finance options, but they don't believe in finance now because, you know, they can't guarantee ever paying that back, right? Yeah. So at least make it really easy for them to come back to you. Because it's an email, mm -hmm. I, I get that statement. I think it's great. Would you add something like, I hope we can stay in touch or I, no. I hope anything else to that. No. It's an email. It. If you say, I understand exactly how you feel, it leaves the door open for them to explain to you what it is. But also it allows for you to follow up with them later. Hey, I know this thing wasn't in your budget before. Just wondering, how's your new year coming? Mm -hmm. Ask them any other question to get them talking. The goal becomes just get them to remember who you are. Right? So don't. Call to action. Traditional sales training must do a call to action. I don't know. COVID's given us everything online in that we don't have to do call to actions anymore. It's implied. I mean, we can come out networking. We can do an elevator pitch. And in an elevator pitch, it used to be, you would hear a lot, and different groups, you still hear it a lot, is, um, so if you know anyone that needs my service, just send them my way. The truth is, is you wouldn't have been out networking telling me that that's what you do if you didn't want me to send people your way. So when we put in a call to action, it's almost like telling a child or one of our kids, 
make sure that you open your window before you leave the school. I know, mum, you tell me every single day. I get it, right? So it's like being told, treated like as if we're five years old. We just don't need calls for action. They were talking to you. Think of it like this. They were talking to you about your thing. They were asking questions about it. They asked for price to the point. The price question, by the way, is where they're all, more than 50% over the line wanting to buy. But the price will determine whether or not they can or they can't right now. So when they send an email and say, it's not my budget right now, I understand exactly how you feel. They came, they were talking to you in the first place. If you haven't treated them poorly, why would they go? They're not going anywhere. You just need to leave the door open. You certainly don't need to remind them to come back. They'll do that one to themselves. And often they'll leave with that, wow, I just got this email back that said, I understand how you feel. They didn't even try to convince me. It was so nice. And they'll think about it. It was so nice. How do I spend money with them? Because not everyone's that nice. All right. So it will work the same, right? More to the problem is, do they read their emails? But that's a completely different set of problems, right? <laughs> Don't worry about what you wrote in it. Just wonder if they wrote, read it. Um, all right. So, and I'm watching the time. So let's have a look. Um, another one is uh, spouse objection. Um, I don't have, uh, I've got to ask my husband. I've got to ask my wife. I've got to ask my business partner. All right. Here's what that means. That line right there, that spousal objection means that they collected all the information that they could. And now they've lost, this is what it means. They've lost confidence in their ability to make a good decision around money. Mostly that's what it means. Or it means I've changed my mind and I want an out. And if I blame it on my husband, there's nothing you're going to do about it. Because traditionally, salesmen can't do anything about that, right? Jason, you got your hand up? I, as most people know, I, I my background is in sales. And I used to turn around. It's cheeky, but... Mm -hmm. So you need to talk to your husband. Look, I completely understand that, Misty. But if he was sitting here right now, what do you think he'd say? Correct. That's the answer. The answer is, what do you think he'll say? Business partner, what do you think he'll say? Or what do you think your business partner will say? Your um, husband, wife, what do you think she will say? Stuart, I'll get you in just a sec. So the truth is you get them to tell you what their thoughts are. Sometimes it's as simple as this. They turn around and they say, I was really only just using it as a line because <laughs> I've changed my mind. Great, let's just go with that then. Honestly, I wasn't even planning on telling him. I was still wanted to think about it longer. No problems. Um, I know what my husband will say. He's going to say no. That's great. What do you say? Well, clearly, I'm tired of him saying no. That's why I'm asking you questions. Actually, just let me buy it, right? It allows them to track through in their mind actually what their thoughts are. A lot of people seem to think that I have to speak to my, my business partner about it is because, and salesmen ask this all the time, drives me bananas to say, is particularly if it's a high price thing, is everybody here today that can make this financial decision? Now, I think that is one of the rudest lines I've ever heard as a salesman, because the truth is this, everybody that was there, if it was a money decision that had to be made, trust me, everybody was there. It's like saying to a woman who wants to go buy a luxury car, is everybody here that needs to make this financial decision? Like as if she can't decide to buy a car, right? Trust me, husband knows that that's where she's at. And if he doesn't, assuming they're married, and if he doesn't, chances are she wakes, she doesn't want it that way anyway, right? Because he keeps saying no. So, or he knows all about it, 
that's why he sent her off to do it. You know, in a lot of instances, like you can say, a husband can end up saying this, how many times do you have to ask me? I've told you to just buy it already. So if you just put it back on them to answer that question, then you'll get, if nothing else, not necessarily the sale, but you'll get them talking about what their thoughts, their feelings, their problems are. And at least it opens up a new conversation. Stuart, you had your hand up? I've actually, well, look, who, who would have known that I'm cheeky? Um, I've actually said a couple of interesting things that have actually gotten uh, a, a great response and an answer. Um, I've said, oh, so did they make all of the decisions for you? That was super cheeky. That was after a very long phone call when yeah. I, you know, I, I was cheeky up. And that, that then they ended up saying, no, that's not the case. And I said, well, okay. And then I, then I followed, up, followed it up with, look, when you're going to talk to them, what about the product? What about, you know, this conversation we've had, are you going to talk to them about? Oh, it's the price. And I said, okay, no worries. I understand. And they then came back, called the husband and went ahead. Like it just yep. actually happened quick. Because quick, now quick, they're quick. thinking it's the price that I've got a problem with. It's a price that I have a problem with, or it's a price that I think my husband's going to have a problem with. And it at least makes them think about what's the section that they need to speak most about. In regards to Stuart and his cheeky idea, sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for, um, for permission. That could be used as a cheeky way of doing it. Truth is this, though. It takes a strong salesman who's been selling for a long time and absolutely loves it to be cheeky with a customer. It is way easier to just get the customer to keep talking. I can get, I can ask and I can get away with it, but I have loved selling for over 30 years, like since I was 16. So as a result, I have learned to just let go of the outcome. But that's been something I've been interested in since I was 16 years old. Stuart's very similar to me. It's not something I recommend from the beginning. From the beginning, go softer than that. What do you think he'll say? And truth be told, well, I can be cheeky. I have to say that line is so good. It's actually easier to stick with the simple lines than it is um, to, to, to go more push. Yes, Julie. Um, what about in the instance where it's an, a, a corporation and you're speaking to someone who needs to take it back to the marketing team? Perfect. Let's go to the board, right? Let's go to the board of directors. Yes, I just have to speak to, to my, my board about that. Excellent. That what do you think thing, they'll yeah. say? It works exactly the same. What do you think your board will say? Here's one of the answers. I don't know yet. I had to get all the information so they could take it to the board meeting. Great. When is the board meeting? See, it gets them talking. When is the board meeting? Is everyone expected to be there? Do you have all the information that you need? Do you want this passed by the board? Is there someone else that wants it passed by the board and you're collecting the details for them? Is there something more that I can give you to get this done fast? It allows the extra questions to be asked. See, notice this. Traditional sales training says that it's salesman is to ask good questions so they can qualify the client. But in today's world, only the customer has good questions until they're not buying at the moment that they're not buying, because it goes like this, if customer knows what you sell, how much it costs and you're quiet, the customer can choose to buy. If at that point they're not ready to buy just yet for whatever reason, don't have the money, still waiting for something, whatever it is, researching, right? 
now when they're at that point to walk away, we salesmen get to ask questions, right? Based off some little statement, it'll be a question, but the question isn't for us to just keep hammering at them with questions. The question is very specific around whatever their problem sits. And so it allows you to hone in on the problem of going to the board. Have you got everything you need? I'm here asking more questions. If you're collecting the information for someone else, I'm more than happy for that person to come to me and get extra information if they want to make sure it passes first go, not three months down the track. Oh, my God. That is so pleasant of you to be so easy and forthcoming. It still makes it easy for them to come back to you. And that's the secret. Follow-up isn't always about you following up with the client. It's about making it really easy for the client to come back and follow up with you. And a lot of instances, we salesmen tend to break it, break the burn the bridges a little bit that goes, oh, yeah, I should go back to them, but you know what? I think I'll just find it over here. And then they do their own research. So that's that answer. Um, and here's another one is, oh, these two. Um, look, thanks very much for the price, but I think I can do it cheaper myself. Or I found someone else that does it cheaper. I'm going to go with them. Here's the thing. At least they came to you asking questions in the first place. It's nothing for you to get worried about. You can't change price. It is what it is, right? Do you discount? No. Can you do it for cheaper? No. So you can't change your price just because somebody else has found it somewhere else. They're not tire kickers, people who have, um, have compared your price to someone else's. They're called people who do research and due diligence. And I don't think there's a single one of us in the room at any one point that hasn't done it ourselves. On the surface of things, if you want your house cleaned, you can call up two cleaners. One might charge $1,000, the other one will charge $3,000. It seems like they're doing the same thing. One just charges more than the other. Now, what's interesting is the difference between the two cleans probably isn't the clean. It's the company that's doing it. Who's easier to get along with? Who's more pleasant? How do they put it together? Do you have to be there for any of it? Do you have to let them in? Can they collect the key from you? There's something that's different, but it won't be the clean. The end result will be the house will be cleaned. <laughs> like that's the end result. So customers are paying for something else. So I have a cleaner who was practicing this because he used to say, if they're comparing prices, they're not for me. Okay, that's really rude. Let's go another way. If the answer is this, I'll get to you in a second, Brenda. If the answer is this, uh, geez, that's expensive. I think I can do it cheaper myself. Here becomes your answer. I am super excited that you're going to do this yourself. It's a really hard job, but when you nail it, it's really rewarding. And I'm happy to be your plan B. A plan B, for those who don't know, is not plan A. Plan A is do it yourself. Plan B is back up, right? It could be as simple as I'm super excited that you're going to um, test this out yourself. It's a really hard job. When you nail it, it's so rewarding. If you have any questions on how to get it done, come and ask me. I'm happy to be your plan B. And notice it still ends the same way. So you're not trying to tell them that they're wrong and that they shouldn't do it. You just agree with them. Plan B is good. You know, it's interesting in most instances, how many people get it right on plan A? Just show of hands. <laughs> how many usually need more than one try to get things done, right? You just try everyone else, right? So plan B is a good option, right? The other one is um, 
oh, geez, that's expensive. So $3,000 clean house versus $1,000. Wow, I found another guy that does it for $1,000. I think I'll go with him. And that's not even saying whether or not he has a budget for $3,000. Let's say he does. He goes, but the other guy is cheaper. I think I'll just go with him. Here's your answer. I'm so ex I'm still excited. I'm so excited that you're, st you're still paying a professional to do this because it's a really hard job and it's not worth you doing it. So they'll do an amazing job. And if you have any extra questions or if you have any trouble, I'm happy to be your plan B. So in both instances, you agree that they're doing all the right things and you let them go. There is no point arguing with someone who says that they don't want to hire you. On the other hand, they did come to you the first time. So it allows them to come back. The cleaner that I speak of that does this, he used to say when someone would say, I think I'll do it myself. He goes, no problems. And he'd let them go. Or if they said, I think I'll go with the other guy. Yep, no problems at all. And he said, I thought I was being pleasant. I said, you were, but you're being final as well. So if they run into trouble doing it themselves or with the other guy, they could come back to you because they'd at least told you about it. But since you didn't seem to really want them, why would they? And he wasn't unpleasant. It, he just somehow, there was an air of finality about it. Like, I'm not going to chase you. And um, I'm not going to convince you otherwise. So, so long. Well done you, right? But by saying, I'm super excited and I'm happy to be your plan B. And actually, Glenn, who does it, he said, there was something in my brain that switched that said, you know, in the past, I'd say to people, if you want help, just come back, ask me more questions. If you need some help, ask me questions. I'm happy to help out. He said, I really wasn't unless they were paying me money. He said, when I become their plan B, he said, and I say, if you've got any questions or you need some help, I'm happy to be your plan B. He said, I actually really like it when people call, I can give them some help, but not do the work. There's just something that switched in me that made me like the customer more, even though I wasn't um, getting paid for it. But it switches in the customer too, where the customer goes, wow, that was so pleasant. I could go back and ask. Plan A didn't work, I'll go to plan B. I already spoke to him. He said I could go back. He said I could ask more questions. He was really pleasant about it. He didn't try to convince me otherwise. I can go back and ask. And so it allows them to come back to you. So it moves your follow-up from you having to do all of it to the customer starting to follow up for themselves as well. And sometimes it only takes only a couple of weeks and they change their mind. Brenda, you got your hand up? Yes. Uh, my question was, so, so under no circumstances do you try and get them to compare the two just to make sure no. they're getting the same thing? What's the point? It's one person's idea of comparison against someone else's. When I worked at Fantastic Furniture, people would come in and they'd say, oh, oh, great, you do. We had this sign that said, if you can find exactly the same thing in another store for less, we will sell it to you for 10% less than the other person's price. So let's say I sold a chair, a stool for $25 and they found it in Freedom Furniture for um, $20. They'd then come to me and say, can you sell that to me for 10% less than the 20? And I'd say it has to be exactly the same. So they've gone, no, it is. Great. What's the name of their chair? Because ours is called something different. No, no, it's exactly the same. Great. What's the warranty on that one? All right. And then, and they wouldn't know. And I said, well, then it's not exactly the same. And they said, but it is exactly the same, except that I wanted it in orange. Oh, they didn't have yellow and you've got yellow. So it's not exactly the same. It's a different chair. So, I, so either you get this one at $25 or you get the orange chair that you don't want, right? 
So there's something that's different. It's so marginal. It's not worth getting into an argument about it. And then it's only their idea against your idea. And if they're going to speak to you about it and it's an argument, they'll go with the other person. Because now someone's become difficult and they don't blame themselves, right? So if they've become difficult against you, they're not going to work with you anyway. So no, no point getting them to compare. Just let them go. They come back. Happens all the time. Stuart, you got your hand up? I was just going to say um, the coming back story. Um, I, I said to a lady, um, she said, am I making the right decision? And I said, well, look, I understand that you're making the decision based on price, but here's the thing. If during the process something comes up and you've got a question about what they're doing, please ask me. I'm here to help. And she kept coming back once a week and saying, would you have done this? And I would say, well, potentially not. And she kept saying, really? Anyway, this went on for eight weeks. And then she said, she rang up and she said, I've made a horrible mistake. Um, can you please help me? And I said, absolutely. So, and I was, I was her plan B. There you I, go. Didn't, I, I didn't announce it as that. But I think that's just a, that's such a brilliant line. It's brilliant. There you go. So understand this, just because a customer made a decision doesn't mean they can't ever change their mind. Right? And we've all done it. We've bought something, thought it was the right thing, got it home and going, it really wasn't. <laughs> and now I can't return it and I'm going to buy the other one. It happens, right? Give the customer permission to make their own choices. If they pick the wrong thing, then they will be able to come back and get the right thing later. The reason why sometimes when we buy the wrong thing in a store that we end up accepting that I have to go back and buy the right thing now, the reason we buy the right thing later is because that product never spoke to us the first time. It just let us go and buy the wrong thing, said, just make your own decision, you're right. I'll sit here, if this is right, you'll need me, just come back, don't worry about it. So it sits there silently, not judging, just lets us do what we like and as a result, we end up working it out in the end. So the customer can always work it out. Sometimes there's a gap in the time, that's all. But the gap is our problem to deal with because maybe we don't have enough customers asking questions, right? Missy? So, yes, we're wrapping it up. Yep. Wrapping it up. So we had a few others. It's not in my budget. I think we've dealt with that. Um, I need this part for less, right? I only need this part. We'll just work out. Can you sell that part by itself? If you can, sell it to them. Or it might be that comes with the whole thing. So it's $5,000. I only need this part. So that bit's $5,000. You'll get the rest of it for free. Once they understand the rules, they'll be able to sort it out themselves. Stuart, you said, um, surely you can add this part in. I just can't see the value. I know. Crazy, isn't it? Stop talking. So the line still works the same. I can't see the value. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Leave it for them to work out the value. It's not your job, right? Can you add in this other stuff? Surely you can add in this other stuff. I can. It costs this much more. You can add in anything. It just costs more. Surely you can add it in for free. I can't. Stop talking. Helen, you've got your hand up, but we're finishing up. Helen. Just uh, just quickly, when uh, the no response one, I, I'm curious to sort of see how you would handle that. Let's say they just don't respond to any emails, SMSs, messages there's anything. nothing you can How do would you go about if you have tried your emails and, and if the, you have called them the... and nobody's answered the phone and you've tried everything there's nothing you can do later your follow-up can be hey 
just checking in. We haven't caught up in a while. I hope you're okay. See if they even respond back like ever. No, there's, the, there's the breakup. There's the breakup message where you say, hey, I've tried to contact you two or three times. You haven't come back to me. I assume you're not interested in my services. Full stop. And then I don't always send that, but a couple of times I have. And they said, oh, no, I still am. I'm just really busy. It's like, okay, cool. When are you not busy? Then yep, we, there you go. You know, I like that. The breakup one. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. It's really good because oh, sorry, 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 being, being let go of, you know, like, yes. like no one likes to be let, no one likes to be rejected you know, and kind of dumped by the salesperson. And you're like, no, 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 that's not fair. I've just been busy. Sorry. Like, yeah. Yes. Nice I, one. I like it. I've read the book on negotiation uh, from a guy that does hostage negotiation. Yeah, yeah. Hey, boss. Yeah. Yeah, send an email. If, if all else fails, you're at the end of your tether and you say, hi, so-and-so, it seems like you're not interested in this project from your name, no other, no smileys, nothing. And I've tried that quite a few times when I'm I'm sure they're just, and I've had so many of them come back and go, I'm so sorry I haven't got back to, you know, all apologetic and then they quite often turn into a a prospect. Yeah. There you go. Or a client. Yeah. Here's they a great one for, sorry, here's a great one for a follow-up. Do you need help with stage two of your project? So ignore whatever they were talking about before. They ghosted you on all of that. Do you need help with stage two? And see if they come back. Pat Gross did this the other day with a lot of people that were asking about grants and she's given them grant payment form, like how much it costs to get help. And then gone, ghosted, like she can't get hold of them. So she just started writing them a note that said, do you need help with stage two of your grant? She did it on a Friday afternoon and by Monday morning, she'd already had five replies back. So it just ignore the first part and go straight for the second. Stuart, you're up. And then I think we're going close to the end. Um, I, I just had one. I, I, I had a great meeting. Everything was going going fantastically well. Um, and the ghost happened and I just went being cheeky um, I just thought what's going to get an emotional reaction and I just said um, I'm really sorry I must have offended you in some way if I have I'm really sorry about that and look I, I apologize and the guy came back within minutes and said no 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 you didn't offend me everything's fine it's just that I've been busy there you go. See, there you go. That's a great one. I love that. I must have offended you. I'm so sorry. And then put it back on them to sort it out. They'll either answer back or they won't. And if they're not going to answer back, you can't do anything about it, but you've tried everything. All right. Um, Jason, do we ask for take-homes? Do we? How does it work? Uh, look, what we'll actually probably do is we'll stop the recording.